What's going on, everyone? My name is Brian Williams, and I am the pastor of Restoration Church in Traverse City, Michigan. Thanks so much for allowing us into your digital life and tuning in to this message. If you'd like to get involved with anything we have going on, you can do so at restorationtc.com. While you're there, you can find out about events, get to know a little bit more about what we believe, and you can also give a donation. Now, we're set up a little different than most in that we have a community account where 100% of your donation goes directly back into the community, both locally and globally. We've partnered with organizations like Freedom Builders here in Traverse City, World Orphans, and Charity Water. We also have an overhead account that helps fund the mission and vision of the church. Our vision is people following Jesus, and our mission is transparency, community, and change. Thanks again for checking out the message. Now let's get to it. Hey, Restoration Church, welcome to our online service. Uh, We're doing something a little bit different this week because I had to go away on Sunday for a personal reason, and so uh, I have invited a very good friend of mine to come in and speak, and uh, we took this opportunity to do something a little bit different to our online congregation or with our online congregation. So uh, in just a few moments, I'm going to be having a conversation with him, something we recorded a couple of days ago, and... uh, Uh, we had a conversation together about his story. His name is Tim Burgess. I used to be on staff with him uh, at the Tabernacle Church in Buckley, and so he's going to be filling in for me, and uh, if if you missed it, man, uh, I bet it was awesome, uh, because you're not going to see this until he was already there. So um, this is going to be a message uh, that looks a little bit different. It's more of a conversation, but we encourage you to listen in, see what we've got going on uh, with with this message, what Tim has going on, what's going on in his life, and uh, get to know this gentleman who I call a very, very close friend. Now, before we get to that, I wanted to let you know about a couple of things. Uh, one thing in specific, we've got... Um, you know, Restoration Church, we're about transparency, community, and change. That's what we, that's our mission statement, and our vision is people following Jesus. Now, uh, we have been doing an amazing job uh, of that in these first, I don't know, year and a half, and and we're excited about what God's going to be doing in the future, in the future, uh, next few months, next year, next two years, five years, like whatever he has planned, we're excited about. And in order for us to get to that level, to that stage, to the next thing, we're doing something called the Spring Offering, which is happening this next Sunday. Not this one, but this coming Sunday, the first. So, what this is, we're going to pool all of our resources together. We're going to cut it in half. 50% is going to our community fund, and 50% is going to our general fund. Our community fund, if you didn't know, 100% of your giving goes back into the community locally and globally, and then the general fund, 100% of your giving goes back to funding operating costs. But the the bigger thing here is is this spring offering. We're, we're, we're pooling our resources together. We're going to do a big offering uh, out of out of thanks and, and, and momentum to push ourselves forward to the next next uh, phase of what we want to do with Restoration Church. Now, every gift that we give, we give to God. We don't give to a church. We don't give to a charity. We don't give to um, to, to keep the lights on, so to speak. We give because uh, God has already given us so much. That's the reason why we give. It's not it's not to keep lights on. It's not to pay my salary. It's not to pay uh, different expenses in the building. Yes, those things do get paid, and, and it requires money to do those, but the heart, the posture of why we give is because of what God has done for us, specifically through Jesus. And if we want to continue being people following Jesus, that means that we give. We give with our our tithes, we give with our talent, and we give with um, our time. So uh, that's serving, that's that's using our gifts, and that is uh, using our 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 funding, our whatever money it is we have to give back uh, to those who need it. And so um, that's what this spring offering is all about. We're going to be doing that, like I said, May 1st. It's open right now. If you go to our website, go to www.com. <laughs> RestorationTC.com. I started that weird. Uh, backslash give. So RestorationTC.com backslash give. You can uh, click on the links there and you can select 
the spring offering uh, gives you some options. You can choose the community account, the overhead account, or the spring account. And uh, if you want to be a part of this, um, we're excited about what God's doing, and I'm excited about what Tim is going to be speaking on. So uh, that's the spring offering. That's what we have going on. And now we encourage you to buckle up and listen in or watch this conversation between Tim Burgess and I. He locked himself in the basement of a church with a strange man and didn't know exactly what it was he was in. We're in a different place this uh, weekend, Restoration Church. Welcome. Uh, I'm not going to be there on Sunday morning, and so I asked my very good friend, Tim Burgess, if he would preach for us, and that's who is in the camera shot as well. This is Tim. Uh, Welcome to Restoration Church in Uh, the Tabernacle Basement. (laughs) Yeah, in the Tabernacle Basement. Uh, You know, I, I absolutely love the name. Uh, and I've heard a lot of good things in Brian, uh, and I have had a chance for what, probably eight years or so to yeah, build somewhere in that range. Yes. Back, yeah. It's back, been eight years now. Yeah. It was back before you could shave. Yeah. Um, and I've watched <laughs> a little Brian grow. Wee boy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it, it's, it's been a real, a real blast, a real journey. Yeah. Um, and I've had, uh, my wife and I've got the privilege to know Leah really well, mm-hmm. um, as well. And, and the kids. Yep. Um, but, uh, I felt honored when you said, hey, will you come and talk? Um, that's, that's a big thing. So thank you. Yeah, you're very welcome. Uh, so we've been in this series called In the Room, which is uh, just the last night of um, that Jesus shared with his disciples before the crucifixion. Last week, we obviously had Easter. Uh, and so we're kind of wrapping up this series. We're going to be wrapping that up next week. Uh, but just this topic of Jesus is basically what we're going to be going over today. We want to hear your story, obviously, um, and uh, how how Jesus is the major player in in that story for you, and how he's changed your life, um, and and how unique it is that you know we're we're two separate churches, but we're one church and spirit, uh, all following Jesus. And yep. so, um, that's the flow of the sermon, sermon convo today. Yeah. I, we can call it a sermon, I guess, but yeah. I don't know what a sermon is. Um, yeah, a sermon is, uh, you know, usually somewhat inspirational, but, uh, if we're vulnerable and we use, uh, scripture as a guideline, yeah. um, and you know, the hero, uh, is always Jesus, uh, and, and then as a sermon. Yep. Um, yep. so, so that's easy. Yeah. Totally. And, you know, what's cool is Jesus didn't say in the book of Acts to go everyone's separate ways and never talk to each other ever again and uh, split over little beliefs or, or different beliefs, all of that kind of stuff. He said just to go and make disciples, uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that's what we get to do. Exactly. Whether you're at a church in Buckley, Michigan, in Manistee, or uh, in, in Traverse City in a brewery. Yeah. The, the focal point is always Jesus. Yes. Yep. And, you know, the, the irony for me uh, you know, not to get into my story yet is, um, bars have a unique relationship, yeah. uh, in, in my life and not all of it's positive. Yeah. Uh, so to see, a uh, a, a redemption happen, um, in a location, uh, it says go to all the world. Um, and it doesn't say accept, mm-hmm. it says go to all the world and, yeah. and teach the good news, yeah. uh, you know, baptizing and making disciples and, you know, there's a whole lot of misunderstood Christianese, and Brian and I both grew up in the church, so uh, sometimes we'll throw out a word like sanctification or, you know, uh, yeah. even something as simple as communion, and uh, we're assuming everybody understands what we talk about, mm. uh, and that's not the case. Not everybody had the same upbringing. Um, so I, you know, kind of erased all of my memory for a while. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and had a chance to restart fresh. So, so, um, tell me about your congregation. If I'm going to be seeing them, um, do they all dress the same? Do they all, do they wear suits and ties? Yeah, actually, that's yeah. one of the first things we did was passed out shirts yeah, okay. uh, for okay. everyone. Okay, good. <laughs> the dress code was the first thing we talked about at Restoration. Good, yeah. good. Yeah, good. before we opened our Bibles, we're like, here's here's what we need to be wearing. Uh, no, it's, 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 as you could probably imagine, a bunch of people showing up in a brewery uh, for what they're not exactly sure yet. Um, 
you know, some people are are very well versed in the Bible and Scripture and have been Christians for a long time, just wanted something a little bit different. Other people are were, were too afraid to step foot into a church, and so this was a good avenue for them. Uh, some people knew Right Brain very well, and so yeah. <laughs> that was comfortable for them too. Cool. Uh, so it's 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 honestly it's the same mix of people at just about every church. It seems like at yeah. least I mean. For here, yeah. uh, at the tabernacle, it's the same same type of group of people um, that just wanted something a little bit more raw and mm-hmm. authentic, and that's why they came to the tab. That's why they come to restoration. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, you know, when you were talking about the church being uh, not not a location or a name, um, but being universal, the universal yeah. church of, of Jesus, uh, and and there's some similarities that bind all of us. And mm-hmm. and some of those are, you know, we call them big rocks of faith. Mm-hmm. And those are the ones that we might, you know, really defend well. Uh, and we accept other opinions, of course. I mean, we can't change people's thoughts or hearts. Uh, that's up to God. But um, there's also a, a lot of invisible rules uh, in a lot of the previous established churches um, that made it very uncomfortable to come to. Yeah, you know, and I I know when we opened, you know, it was uh, I hate dressing up, yep. you know, um, so it was t-shirts and sweatshirts and jeans, and that's I mean that's what I always wear, and I refused, yeah, you know, any other garb, uh, and I didn't do it to impress, and it was just what was comfortable for me, um, but then I realized how many people felt afraid to come into a church, and that kind of broke my heart, yeah, uh, and you know we tried a lot of different things. Um, so we try to take away distractions, and we try to uh, keep the language really simple, um, yeah. not not cultish, right. you know. Um, even though every church is going to have its own tribal language yeah. uh, as well, which is cool. That's how we become a tribe. Yeah. Um, so that's really awesome. So uh, there was a time when you weren't a lead pastor. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> much simpler times. Yeah. Um, and and now you are. Uh, so you had a calling, um, and you confirmed it, and your wife is supportive. Yeah. And then you made this massive leap. Yeah. Um, how, how long have you been doing it now? Uh, September of 2020 is when we officially launched. Okay. So, so really during the great time. Best of, time in the world. Yes, <laughs> yep. yes. Uh, nothing like pandemics yep. to, to yep. change the universe. Okay. Um, so you've been at it for a minute now. What do you think is one of your, uh, I'm not going to say needs, um, but something that helps keep you fresh, that refreshes you, um, that gets you ready for another week of work? Uh, What gets me ready for another week of work? Yeah. What what is it that keeps you coming back? Because I don't think people have a clue how much effort um, goes into something like this because- Uh, you, you don't have a huge staff, um, right. you know, and, and a, all, all of these giftings. So it's pretty much up to you. I heard that you actually set up at church. I do. Is that okay? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, most lead pastors don't do that. Yeah. Um, so what keeps you coming back? Uh, preaching, preaching the word, studying, um, seeing people show up for the first time, uh, and stick around, um, pointing people to Jesus. That's keeps me showing up it's i love studying and i love preaching and seeing it make an impact is awesome for me it's uh unbelievably rewarding at times yeah totally. and, uh, yeah well you know i just need your congregation to know um there's that the, the joke about it must be nice to work one day a week mm-hmm. um the type yeah. of a deal and you know my dad was a pastor and uh, your dad's uh, been in, in church ministry for a long time, too, and we know how unreal that is. Yeah. Um, it's often a seven-day-a-week job, yep. um, and we have to fight for our time off and our family. Um, so, you know, I get to say it, uh, you know, restoration treats your lead pastor uh, very, very well um, and to be supportive. Um, we're not magical creatures that are just always upbeat mm. and ready to go. We uh, have the same life as everybody else. Yeah. Uh, we still pay taxes. Uh, we still uh, have depression. Um, you know, we still have, we still get the flu. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes it can feel really alone. And I'm, 
you didn't ask me to say this, but, uh, you know, to your congregation, I say, don't, don't ever let Brian and Leah and the other leaders feel alone. Mm. Um, the support is vastly needed and God provides, uh, but sometimes he provides, uh, through a congregation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and that's part, that's part of the gig. Um, so, so leadership sucks. It just does. Um, because decisions have to be made and the larger you get, the more you realize they don't please everybody. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and that's okay. Yep. It's okay. We're not there to please. We're that's there to right. speak truth. That's right. Yeah. So, um, you want, what, what do you want to know about me? Well, um, you weren't always a pastor. No. And so let's get that right out of the gate. Uh, so Tim, um, you've, you've been a pastor now for a while, uh, but that wasn't always your life. And I think a lot of people at Restoration would be able to be like, oh, wow, that dude's in ministry. Cool. Like, mm-hmm. I thought it was only the yeah. ones who grew up and stuck with it. And, and, yeah. Because uh, you and I have vastly different backgrounds. Yes. Yes. And so my background, you know, I'm uh, the youngest child. I have three brothers and a sister. Um, my dad was a pastor uh, and it was a great life. We you know, we're in a small town down south and then Traverse City. Uh, and by the time um, I was 17, I was done with the church. I, I was I was over it. Uh, and this isn't the church. Uh, the, the the stuff I was seeing might have been real, um, but the whole thing was about me. Right. And a pastor is so busy. Um, you know, I, I never really saw my dad. Um, when I did have time with him, he was exhausted. Uh, it had a, it had a large effect on our family. Um, and, uh, I watched what I thought was hypocrisy happening. And there was obviously some hypocrisy there, uh, because there is everywhere. I I don't, I don't care where you go. Anytime Um, you try to live up to what Jesus did, there's going to be hypocrisy. There's going to be hypocrisy. And I, you know, and, and I've had a lot of people say, I'll never go to church because it's filled with hypocrites. And, you know, my general answer is, well, then you can't go, uh, to the bar and you can't go to the restaurant and you can't go to Walmart because there's hypocrites there too. Um, that's a pretty broad category. Uh, so it took me a long time to figure out the church was made up of people, um, not saints, mm. um, and that they didn't all have their act together. And I definitely didn't have my act together. So, you know, I knew all of the language. I could pretend amazingly well. And, uh, you know, I was in just the classic preacher's kid that you should never let your daughter date. Uh, preacher's <laughs> kid, that's still true. Um However, uh, as, as I ran away from the church, uh, I ran into the arms of, you know, what I thought was Nirvana, um, and that was alcohol, um, mm-hmm. and later drugs. And so, uh, drugs and alcohol became my church, uh, and my God. And, uh, I was still functional, you know, I wasn't in a gutter, uh, you know, moved out West, uh, met my wife, actually, Heidi, um, in the midst of all my using, um, she was bright and brilliant, uh, yeah, she was in school. She had plans. You know, she knew what she was going to do in life. I had no clue. Um, drinking was uh, the main goal, uh, drugging, um, you know, and fun. Yeah. And and that's what I wanted. And I felt church was the thing that was going to take my fun away. Mm. Um, and I had seen enough what I perceived as misery. And so the, here's the misery is the church I was going to. It was like an outfit that all the guys wore. Um, now they didn't coordinate this, but it was just like, okay, here's the fashion. So you're a 30 something year old Christian man and you know, you're driving a nice car and you got a nice house and a cute wife and you're going to wear, uh, uh, slacks, uh, yeah. rather than pants. And you know, w- what a terrible word, you know, who's going <laughs> to, who's going to wear slacks? Uh, but, but they would wear, uh, khakis. Yeah. Slacks um, reminds me of you would, uh, like it, it, it brings to mind like being comfortable slacks and you're never comfortable in slacks. No, at no. least I'm not. I, I'm not is, either but... because I mean, they have creases and all types of weird <laughs> stuff, you know? Uh, so they wore those, they wore penny loafers or, you know, uh-huh. loafers. Yep. Uh, and some of the older people know what that is. Uh, and then they wore what my brother, Mike and I, uh, term polio shirts. Um, they're <laughs> polo shirts, but we always call them polio shirts. And that was the outfit. Uh, and I hated it. I, I mean, I literally, made my skin crawl yeah. when I would see that, that group, because it's like, oh my gosh, what a cult. Mm. Um, so, you know, I, I did everything to distance myself from that. And it's like the cult people have no fun. 
Yeah. Um, and, you know, I found out some things different later. Uh, so anyways, I just continued my life. I got married. Uh, eventually, we moved to Traverse City, uh, bought a house, had a kid, and then I ended up in treatment, um, drug and alcohol rehab. Uh, you know, was there for 30 days. That was, you know, a long, long time ago. You know, I've got a couple of days sober now. Um, and that feels really good. Yeah. Uh, sober is different than stopping drinking. Uh, much different, um, uh, because it's, uh, I, I, you need to change your life. Mm. Um, you need to change your brain. Um, if you're, uh, you know, if you're an avid user, uh, the brain maturity really kind of stops, uh, whenever you really start using. Um, and I needed to go from being a, you know, a 25 year old, 16 year old, uh, to closer to 25, 30, mm -hmm. you know, as I'm progressing. Um, so God put in these counselors and these people in my life. And so, you know, nobody gets to AA on a winning streak is kind of the phrase, you yeah. know, you don't end up in AA. So I've done AA for a, a very long time now. And, um, it is actually, uh, the place where I found Jesus was, was through mm -hmm. AA. Uh, so, you know, I had a bunch of different jobs. None of them were great, um, you know, but th they were just jobs and I did them. No calling. Um, I was a little bit of a workaholic, so I was put in the hours. Um, that was kind of where my worth was. Uh, but I was missing something, you know, I, I just this vast missing. It took me many years to figure it out. And really what I was looking for was unconditional love is the thing that I was seeking. Yeah. Um, because it seemed like everything was conditional. You know, even going to church, it's like, well, you got to wear penny loafers and khakis to really be in. And that, that wasn't true about that church. You know, that was my perception. The The church that I, my my dad led that I grew up in was, it was a phenomenal place. And uh, there were a lot of changed lives there for the mm -hmm. positive. Um, no church is perfect. Um, and the church is being part of the body of Christ. Some churches are the arm and some is the leg, but yeah. we're all part of the body. Yeah. Um, and we all have a little bit of a different area. So, uh, you know, I, I finally came to realize after maturing a little bit that uh, um, God loves rich people just as much as poor people. Hmm. Um, and he desires the same relationship with somebody living on a peninsula um, you know, as he does somebody in Buckley uh, yeah. or, or wherever we're happy to be from. Um, he's, he's, uh, he doesn't exclude, you know, where that comes from. So, you know, I was hypocritical, um, judgmental, um, angry, you know, the church took my dad away, blah, 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 yeah. all of that stuff. So, you know, there were definitive wounds, but I used a lot to the point where I was out of control, completely out of control. And, uh, when we, you know, I'd been sober, I got, I got sober, um, did meetings like crazy, you know, in the first year I, I did at least two meetings every day. So I did, wow. you know, way over 700 meetings wow. in, in my first year because I was so terrified of trying to figure out how to live without drugs and alcohol Yeah, that that was like my lifeline. Yeah. And, uh, uh, they started talking about higher power. There's a higher power than you. And I, I've always known there's something greater than me. Yeah. Um, Something made this happen, whether it's a big bang or something, you know, I, I don't get into those. That's where brainy people go, you know, but I have my own, my own thoughts. And two of my sponsors were, uh, secretly Christian. Um, I didn't know that until, uh, towards the end of my relationship with them. And they were gently guiding me, um, towards God. Um, and not just God, because that's a nebulous term, right? There's a lot of gods out there. Yeah. I mean, I served, uh, the God of drugs and alcohol. Yeah. Uh, and found out he's a merciless God. He's a God with a little G and he's never satisfied yeah. and he never loved me in the first place. Right. Mm. So there's lots of gods. Um, and I get it because the church has often done a really bad job of portraying who God the father is. Yeah. Right. Um, so, you know, the church has some culpability in that. And, and I think that's one of the things that drives you and I similarly is, uh, it's not an exclusive club. Right. It, it's for everyone, yeah. you know, uh, not just for the Jews, but the Gentiles in all nations. Yep. You know? So uh, I, I want to take that seriously. So let me see. What happened next, Brian, was uh, went along, you know, I had a, had a good job, insurance, blah, blah, blah. And I always wanted to build my own house. So we moved to Buckley and uh, we had bought property and my wife and I had talked about this for years and finally I took a summer off and uh built my house and 
as we're sitting there every morning, we would wake up and uh, we had a swing set and a fifth wheel um, while we were building the house. And Heidi and I would sit on the swings um, and then we faced a hill. And as soon as the sun got over the hill, I'd start working. Mm. So we're just sitting there having coffee, chatting about whatever. And all of a sudden it's like, oh crap, it's Sunday. And she's going to bug me again to go to <laughs> church, you know? And my thought was we left Traverse City I'm far enough away that I'll never have to go to church again, yeah. ever. And yeah. I was very pleased with that. And so the thought that's running, so Brian knows Heidi. My wife is amazingly sweet and wonderful person, and she's, she's gentle. Um, and she started to follow Jesus uh, a number of years before this. And uh, she's just said to me, um, hey, sweetheart, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to head to church in a little while. Would you like to come today? And so I'm thinking, well, to get her off my back. Yeah. You know, so that I never get asked this question again, I'll say yes. And uh, something miraculous happened. And, you know, I came in the fire barn over here and John was preaching. And that yep. was a time when John only got to preach once a year, blah, blah, blah. Yep. All the stars aligned. And uh, I was intrigued, like totally intrigued. And so I got into this little foreign community called Buckley with a church <laughs> that was pretty close to dead. Yep. Um, and within a... Oh, six months I quit my job and uh, worked here for free for the first year. Hmm. Um, I was the world's oldest youth pastor. Um, <laughs> something massively switched in my heart. Yeah. And uh, um, it was finally my pride. I, I, I got over myself. Um, and that was really hard to do. Uh, but I realized that the steps of AA were the one that, that was the thing that prepared me. Um, number one, to accept who Jesus is, not just God, but definitively Jesus. Um, and, uh, that I had a vast need for him because that was the only place I was ever going to truly find unconditional love yeah. as, as beautiful and wonderful as my wife is. I can't expect that from her. Right. Perfectly. Yep. And, um, and I started to feel it and live it. Um, and, and I was able to assess myself again. So. You know, the first step is you got a problem and hmm. um, recognizing that it's kind of become unmanageable. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and that for a long time was drug and alcohol because I just, I, I'm total abstinence, you know, and, and that's the way it is. My wife can drink and that's fine, but I can't yeah. uh, because it's, it's like having a flare up, you know, and yeah. I, I'm just going to, and I'm a crazy man when I drink. I'm nice <laughs> and fun, but yeah. uh, I don't have an off button. Right. Um, so... It's like, yeah, this is unmanageable. Hmm. Um, and what was unmanageable was how much discomfort I was living in, spiritually, yeah. um, emotionally. Yeah. I was, my, my brain was always going, uh, like, anxiety and uh, depression and, you know, what, what do I do next? How come I can't succeed? It seems like I should know how to do this by now, and it just wasn't fitting. Right. So there's some problem. There. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the second step is uh, that there is a God um, and that, you know, um, he might help you out. Yeah. And it's like, okay, that worked for AA and drugs. Um, maybe this. And then the third step um, is making a conscious decision to turn my will over to him hmm. and say, okay, what do you want me to do today? Yeah. Uh, and I, that was really foreign because it, before it was, what do I want to do today? Or what is my wife going to make me do today? Or what does my job say I have to do today? Yeah. And I realized through all that time, I'd never inserted God in there. Yeah. It's like, well, what do you want me to do, God? And, uh, you know, my first fear was uh, he's going to take all my fun away. Yeah. Right? Right. Because obviously Christians right. are just a bunch of, yep. okay, I can't say that, but uh, <laughs> you can believe what I was thinking is right. true. Um, and, you know, I, I just didn't want to have this rigid life, you know, with all these rules that mm -hmm. didn't make sense to me. And then I found out he's not a God of rules. He's a God of steps. And you get to take the steps at your own time. Yeah. And uh, the steps never really end. Yeah. Um, it's a lifelong pursuit. But rather than pursuing happiness, um, it's more like uh, contentment and joy um, was what I started redefining it as, right? So there's the fourth step. And uh, that's the last step I'm going to talk about. But the fourth step is, is it's called making a searching, fearless moral inventory. And uh, it's, AA requires something of us that's very frightening 
and it's called rigorous honesty. And it's not rigorous honesty about the restaurant or our kids <laughs> or our wife. It's about us. Yeah. Right. And, and, and we have to segue that it's, it's not a searching and fearless, immoral um, inventory. It's a moral. So it's both. And, right? So starting to look at where are my flaws, what, what's going on. And, and I realized how much fear was in my life. Um, it, fear is a primary emotion. The way it showed it with me most was anger. Um, and that, that anger was profound. Uh, and it turned itself into fear, which leads to all types of weird stuff. Yep. Um, behaviors and, and even physical health. Yeah. Um, you know, and so in doing that step and I'm beginning to look at myself, honestly, it's kind of like, well, why would anybody like me? Hmm. You know, I'm really looking at this list, you know, there's a, see, I'd already been through the steps probably 10, 15 times by the time I got to this, when I'm doing it for Jesus right. type of reasons. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's, we can't, as, as alcoholics, uh, the big book tells us we cannot afford resentments. Hmm. And it's like, okay, you know, if, if you, as an alcoholic, if you hold resentments, it leads to all types of really bad behavior. And so I had made a list of resentments, you know, people, and the list was huge. Hmm. And, uh, you know, especially when I went to church and started yeah. thinking about the church yeah. and the institutions and behaviors and all those things. And I needed somehow to cleanse that. Um, and, and I didn't know what that meant. Mm. Um, it, it's basically, you say it out loud is with another confidential person, but I started realizing that in the course of that inventory, the thing I'm looking for is Jesus of the Bible. Um, and I knew that because of how much I'd read and how many sermons I'd heard. I've always been a sermon junkie, even at my most pagan drunken thing. I'm a sermon junkie. Yeah. I love hearing people preach. Yeah. Um, and there'd always been this picture of Christ. And uh, it was awesome because it was never Jesus and. Right? Right. It wasn't Jesus and the 12 steps. No, the 12 steps are a tool to help me be healthier. Yep. Um, and, and, but, but the answer to all of the questions I had were, was, it was Jesus. And he's forgiving. He's loving. Um, he's intimate. You know, he, he knows me. He cares deeply. Yeah, he loves my kids more than I do. I mean, you have four kids. Right. And, and two dogs. Yeah. Uh, and you think of how much love you have for them. And, and, you know, suddenly I came to this realization that if scripture is true. Yeah. Right. If this is really real, then he loves them more than I do. And that's profound. Um, and in this sinless way, he has some desires for my life. Um, and in my sinful way, I want to know, well, if I take this step, what's next? Yeah. Right? I want to know what the path is. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the most dangerous decision I made wasn't quitting my really fruitful job with a 401k, hmm. right? Um, it was going, I'm going to try to follow God's will. I'm going to see what Jesus has to say about these things, and then I'm going to make some decisions. And that's really scary. Yeah. Um, because so much of my life had been spent trying to be in control. Right. Right. So we fast forward, you know, a, a lot of years, and uh, I'm so grateful today for who my wife was for me. Um, and then I have to go further back um, because there were people that were influential in my wife's life mm. that were not me. Um, and they weren't necessarily people that I even hung with, Yeah, but they were some fellow Christians and she was seeking some answers. Um, and how do you live with a sober alcoholic who's really struggling? And so, you know, there was, I think there was 20 years old, 30, 40 and 50 where there were four women in the group. And that was the age group. And, uh, and these women mentored my wife, and mm. she started loving me in a whole different way. Yeah. And suddenly I began, so it's like, that was complimentary in what I'm trying to do. And I didn't feel like I was performing. It felt like I was being, there were these accolades coming for who I really was. Yeah. Um, and it, I have a thousand examples of that, but... Uh, she led the way. Um, she went to church. She got it. She found Jesus. She never bugged me. She never, you know, uh, harped on me to go. Um, she loved me the very best she could. 
Um, and when I began to make steps uh, towards Jesus, she um, was wholly supportive. So imagine having four kids, just built a house, and me coming home and going, um, I think I'm going to quit my job, and yeah. I'm going to go work <laughs> as the world's oldest youth pastor for free. Right. And her response to me was, uh, uh, what took you so long? <laughs> right? Wow. Yeah. And um, that was because of her faith. So why, why did you feel like that was the logical next step? I mean, because I... Everything else was meaningless. Hmm. I mean... It, it was, I, you know, uh, if you asked me to work 45 hours, I would work 55. Yeah. Right. So I was definitively trying to get my worth through how much work I did. I did not like my job. Mm -hmm. Um, I was on the phone all the time. I was in sales. Yeah. Uh, you know, we it had a lot of cool equipment that we sold. I like that. Um, and I realized that everything I sold was opulent. Mm -hmm. Right. And then when we came down here to Buckley, uh, I remember going to a kid's home, um, that they were having food issues. Um, so I gathered some groceries and went to visit him and his family. And I knew his two brothers really well. Um, they were just hellions. I mean, just crazy, uh, wild dudes. Um, I really loved them. They were really fun. Um, and I walk into this house and they had a dirt floor and I'm like, oh my gosh, did I just transport to Appalachia? <laughs> right. Right. And, uh, I felt so sad because they had no food and there's a mom and dad there. Yeah. Um, uh, and they, they, they had no money for food, but they had, uh, two pit bulls and a puppy. Hmm. Um, and there was probably like 180 pounds worth of dog food in bags sitting there. And I'm like, uh, this is real life. This yeah. is, this, here's a need yeah. that I think I might actually be able to help and make a difference somehow. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, when I'm at work, I'm busy with some lawyer from someplace that's going to sue us because, <laughs> you know, one of the nine TVs in his third million dollar right. home isn't functioning properly. Right. And he's going to own the business and make my life hell. Yeah. And it's like, that that's just opulence. I can't, there, there's no purpose here. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't about being happy. It was about, I, there's no purpose. Yeah. I'm, I'm not making any difference in anything. And uh, that, that moment I'm going to tell you, that was the defining moment. That was yeah. on, on the way home. I'm like, I'm quitting. I'm done. I cannot yeah. do that anymore. And, uh, and a lot of people will, and the, I, I really want to get into that because I, I think that's a crossroads for restoration, at least for people in restoration right now of like, man, I, I really like this Jesus guy. I really like all of the, And it's something we've been talking about with the series of like, our lives aren't matching up with what Jesus called us to do and called us to be. And so either he was he was way out of proportion in what he was saying, or we're not, we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. And I, and I think a lot of people are approaching Jesus, but not committing fully to Jesus. So for you, and, and I'm not saying everybody should just go quit their job oh, today. Please don't, but, please don't. Um, but for you, that was the, that was the, as risky as it was, that was the logical and, and as illogical as it sounds, that was the obvious next step for you, regardless of the risk, regardless of what it potentially could do to your family, you were like, no, I need to, I need to quit that job and do this. Right. Right. Um, the, it, it was a frightening decision. It was probably more frightening, uh, like two weeks after I made it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, that, I mean, that's kind of like the reels. Right. Uh, uh, and or two years after, yeah, <laughs> even then, yeah, two years. Uh, yeah, there's not speaking from experience yeah, at all, <laughs> but there is a part of you that kind of goes like, Why did I do this? It was pretty comfortable before, uh, yeah. Uh, number one, as, as I got older, I realized comfort wasn't the goal, yep. right? Um, we're Americans, we're comfortable, you yeah. know. Um, how come we have to separate it into levels? I don't know. Uh, but then that becomes my God of being comfortable. Right. Yep. And just, I mean, you look at the world today, yep. uh, how many people are getting canceled, fired, their lives ruined because someone else felt uncomfortable around them. Yeah. Uh, th if that's really your God and your goal, uh, that's really pitiful and the results <laughs> show. Right. Yeah. So it's like, well, what, 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 what did Jesus really do? Yeah. Um, well, we only know about three years of his life. Right. And he says, uh, you know, I'm taking these people and I'm walking around this country and, we're going to have a lot of interaction. And there was never a goal s spoken of money-making, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Of where are we going to stay? Um, what about our vacation schedule? 
that it just wasn't part of it. It, yeah. it was there was a mission, and it was the reason it's different than all the other missions is it wasn't about Jesus, mm-hmm. right? He wasn't there for himself. Uh, and when I saw in my mind the greatest leader ever in Jesus, uh, he was a servant. He came to serve, and it's like okay, if I'm going to believe this, right? So I, I do a lot of premarital counseling, and I'll begin. They're going to read Genesis, uh, yep. just one, two, and three, and and it's like the very first sentence of the Bible is a challenge. Either you mm. believe it or you don't. There's yeah. no in between. Yeah. You, know, you don't get to believe part of it or right. some of it or cherry pick. Uh, that's too easy, and that's incredibly lazy. Yeah, and it takes no faith. Yeah, um, the faith is in the beginning. God created. Did He do it or didn't He? Right. Yeah. Uh, so I chose to believe that he did. Um, and therefore I could take what Jesus did in establishing relationship after relationship after relationship. He saw all people as valuable, yeah. right? Even people who walked away. Yeah. He never criticized. He was never mean. Now he wasn't a doormat. Right. Right. I mean, we got the picture of him in the temple yeah. know, flipping over tables yeah. saying this is my father's house of prayer. Yeah. Um, so he, he was, he was a man. Um, but he did it sinlessly, and he did it because there was a goal. Yeah. And his goal was to get all of God's children, you and I, and everyone on the planet back. Yeah. And he was willing to play that role. It was the hardest role to play. Yeah. You know, the, the, the worst role to ever have to play. Yeah. Uh, but in his magnificence, I'm just watching, how did, how did he treat people, right? Um, and, and I realized, you know, that's what I was doing to the old church. Uh, look, look, they were doing the best they could. And there was a lot of really pure hearts in there. And there were a lot of people really running hard after Jesus. Mm. There happened to be some examples of where it wasn't all that pretty. Um, well, how hypocritical of me to just look at the not pretty ones. Right. Because usually the beautiful ones are quiet. So Jesus isn't at the forefront. He's not demanding. He's just saying, here, here it is. And everything he says is true. So there are no wasted words in scripture. Um, you know, it, we don't get to go, you know what, I'm going to choose Jesus and Buddha. Uh, then you've rejected Jesus. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm not condemning anyone who does that. Right. But I'm saying that's not what the Christian belief is. Yeah. Um, the Christian belief is uh, man sinned. Uh, we became separated from God. And there's a lot of consequences. Yeah. So when somebody says, how could God let these people starve? He doesn't. Um he doesn't interfere. He gives us free will. And our free will leads to people starving, Yep. you know, as, as humans, um, yep. that's not God. Yep. And he's not going to intervene in those situations to make it all better. Uh, because then he takes away free will, right? Um, there, then there aren't consequences. I mean, you've ra- you're raising four kids. There yeah. are consequences, right? right? Um, as well as praise. So I, I watched how Jesus did it. Um, because God said, okay, there's one thing, you know, blood pays for sin, and uh, there's not enough blood on the earth to pay for all of the sin that's been done. Okay, just go through my generation. You yeah. Know, how, much, how much evil has been done in my generation right. by my fellow aged people, and yeah. it's tr- there's not enough blood to pay for it, bottom line. So he sends Jesus instead, and it's, you know, it's once and for all, and then it's over. And now we have a path back to God that why Jesus came. Yeah. And uh, it's like, okay, since I've received that, there's one thing I want to do, right? So I, when I start my day, now some people, uh, I've got a, a ton of AA friends and, uh, that were total pagans um, in, 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 a, in a lovely drunken way, whatever, <laughs> whatever that was. Uh, and their life has changed enough that the, they say when my feet hit the ground, that's when I start to pray. Right. So the, I'm not that guy because I wake up and my feet hit the ground and I'm like, why is this happening to me? How come somebody hasn't brought me coffee yet? Yeah. Right. So it takes me a minute. Yep. And uh, then the 11th step uh, says, uh, sought through prayer and meditation to improve my con- conscious contact with God as I understand and praying only for the knowledge of his will for my life and the power to carry it out. It's like that's the most selfless prayer there is. The only better prayer that I have is the Lord's Prayer. Yeah. But it's, okay, I'm going to seek God's will today. Mm. Um, so that's not very complicated, Brian. Right. It, it really right. isn't. Uh, so how should I treat others? Well, how I want to be treated. Yeah. Right? That, that's number one. Uh, if I'm so 
uh, wrapped up in myself that I can't even get to that spot during the day. Uh, God's given me personally a really good one. Don't drink, dummy. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Today, that's God's will. So if that's as far as I can get, I'm in His will. Right. right? And I, I don't have the willpower. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of strong people in the world. That's fine. Uh, willpower doesn't work. Right. Yep. So I'm asking for His strength. God, God, remind me, put the right people in my mm. life. Uh, you know, sh- sh- show me a new vision and picture of my wife. So th- that's enough to not drink today or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and so that's how I start, you know, to continue this journey. And then, and then it's, uh, uh, the 12th step is, uh, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps. So all about God. Um, we tried to practice these principles in all of our affairs and, uh, we're there for other people, um, mm. for the suffering, for mm-hmm. the still lost, right? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's really kind of Christianity in a yeah. nutshell is, yeah. is really what it is. And, and so that's what I do. So God took an arrogant prick, me, and who is selfish and manipulative and all the things that drug addicts are. Um, and rather than killing me, like would have been justifiable because uh, yeah. of the dirt bag I was for a while, um, he didn't. He redeems it. And then he goes, okay, you're going to learn all these things, and they're all going to be outside the church. Okay? So they're all going to be around these AA tables. And then later, I'm going to show you how it matches up with everything in Scripture. Hmm. And I'm going to show you what your purpose in life is. And I'm going to show you how easy it is. It's not hard. I'm going to also, lastly, show you how fun it is. Yeah. Right? It doesn't mean there isn't heartache and tears and death. Yes, you know, that happens. However, right. I have never had so much fun, true belly laughing fun than doing what I do. Yeah. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. Does that answer that question? It does. Yeah. Okay. No, absolutely. I just, uh, hoping to be able to encourage people who are at that step, but not willing to take that step. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's no logic behind it. There's not anything you can do or say that's mm-hmm. going to be like it'll be good um i mean it's just a step that has to be taken it is and you know i i think logic can apply to it um in in, in a in a unique way because uh most of us spend a i have to be careful how he says a lot of us spend our lives uh reacting mm. right so suddenly this happens and we now have to react to it yep um and a lot of it is basic human stuff, you know, survival instincts, blah, blah, blah. You know, and, and so much childhood stuff can come into all of those things. But, but we're reacting. And we, it's kind of like claiming I'm a victim, mm-hmm. right? Um, this happened, therefore, here's the response. Uh, well, the definition of insanity is to keep doing the same thing. Yeah. Logic tells us, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, if you would like to make a change yeah. and the outcome, there may have to be a change in the input. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you're baking a cake and you keep putting in the wrong ingredients and wondering why it tastes bad, yeah. uh, you know, m- maybe you need a cook or no, they're not cooks or bakers to, to teach you how. Yeah. Uh, maybe one of the ingredients isn't quite correct. Um, so there is a logic to it. Um, and, God made us, his critters, as uh, we're very, very resilient to pain. I'm amazed at how much pain people choose to stay in. Mm. Um, so, like, n- nobody gets to AA on a winning streak. Yep. Very few people get to church on a winning yep. streak. They're yep. usually in some level of pain, and they're looking for an answer. Yep. And I can articulate, maybe even for them, but a lot of the people, it's like, why? And they're like, I don't know, I'm missing something. And when I will finally have a close enough relationship and say, could it be unconditional love? They're like, that's it. Yeah. 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 I'm looking for acceptance. So I'm looking, will somebody tell me I'm okay that I'm not crazy? Yeah. Uh, Well, here's the deal is AA did not come to my door. Yeah. I had to go. Right. Um, And there were enough consequences if I didn't go that it was too scary. So that made me uh, respond mm-hmm. rather than react. Because my reaction was to run away. Mm-hmm. I mean, in a whole nother story, uh, you know, there was a time where that was really close to happening. Yeah. Um, and yet God helped me respond instead. So 
we've tried a lot of things. I, I mean, just, you know, what do commercials do? They sell us something we don't need and right. they're trying to convince us that we need it. Yep. Um, and the, the, you know, AA is, uh, attraction rather than promotion. And I think that's what Christianity is too. Yeah. Um, it's attractional. Yeah. Um, not because we all have our poop in a group and we're all perfect, uh, but because we could be vulnerable yeah. and, and help you understand you're not the only one. Most of us feel this way. Yeah. Um, and, and we've been looking and none of us have arrived and none of us do it perfectly. Yeah. Um, but I will tell you, uh, my personal conviction, um, is there's one place on earth that will never lie to me. And I believe that's scripture. Yep. All of it. And, uh, therefore, um, I, I, I don't have to just, it doesn't mean I don't ask why. Yeah. And, yeah. Right. Totally. But, but I can, I can trust it. Yep. So, yeah, that's awesome. Thanks, Tim. Um, and, uh, if you're watching this, listening to this, whatever it is, and you're like, boy, uh, Restoration and Brian sure do sound a lot like Tim in the Tabernacle. Um, yeah, there's a reason uh, I spent six years of my life here and really learned how to be a pastor at this church uh, at the Tabernacle. And so um, restoration is just a, a product of people following Jesus, which is our vision, but it's a product of people following Jesus at the Tabernacle. And before that, people that were following Jesus before that, and a culmination of all of it. So we're just a byproduct of what's going on here and uh, the cool changed lives that have been happening here. So um, if you don't have a church home and you're listening to this or watching this, uh, and if you're an alcoholic, I encourage you <laughs> to go to uh, the Tabernacle Church, or even if you're not an alcoholic, just head over there and um, see what's going on and meet Tim, or just come, well, yeah, you've go, already been here. Yeah, so. go, yeah, you know, go, go, yeah. <laughs> you were already at Right Brain uh, by the time this airs. So. Yeah, and I, I want to encourage, you know, stay at Restoration. Um, it's, it's a commitment. Um, and uh, the way that we support is through uh, our feet. Mm -hmm. um, and I think God's calling you to uh, sit down for a minute there at Restoration um, because there's, there's uh, a lot of people in that congregation that have had the same experience I have. Yeah. Just different names. Yep. So, and they'd love to talk to you. Yep. And I'm actually like in person, I'm really a jerk. So <laughs> don't, don't look me up. Uh, all right. Well, thank you, Tim. I love you. And, uh, thanks for covering. Oh yeah. It'll be fun. <laughs>